somber mood in Ukraine as it copes with another Christmas at war. It's difficult for people to forget about the war and it's difficult for people to just, you know, take it easy. Plus, uncertainty over future U.S. military aid for Ukraine brings an added sense of anxiety. Ukrainians know they must secure Western military aid to carry on and that it will be harder with the war in Gaza distracting global attention. And later in the program, after three weeks with no contact, his associates locate Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. Today is Monday, December 25th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Lori London. Christmas Day in Ukraine, December 25th. But Ukraine, like Russia, had been officially observing Orthodox Christmas on January 7th, according to the Julian calendar, until Kyiv passed a law earlier this year, shifting the date to December 25th in line with other Western European countries. Lucy Ha with Reuters brings us details. Ukrainians are for the first time celebrating Christmas on December 25th instead of January 7th. This year, in an effort to distance the country from Russia and its Orthodox tradition, Ukraine passed a law making December 25th the official Christmas holiday. On Monday, some Kiev residents attended a Christmas Mass. I am very happy we can celebrate on December 25th like the rest of the world. We have been waiting for this holiday. We are celebrating together with the Ukrainian community and the whole world. I hope for peace, happiness and victory for us all in the new year. Since Moscow's February 2022 attack, many Ukrainians have rejected the Russian language and culture, among other historical ties to Kiev's former ruler. Ukrainian authorities have also stepped up a campaign to rename streets and settlements, as well as remove statues and monuments tied to the Tsarist and Soviet past. Lucy Ha with Reuters reporting. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky issued a Christmas message to his country, assuring them of eventual victory over Russia. In the message released Sunday, Zelensky stood in front of Kyiv's famous Perhurst-Lavra monastery complex and said he is praying for the end of the war. But as Russian attacks continued through the night, Anna Chernikova in Kyiv tells us Ukrainians are marking Christmas with a somber mood and toned down celebrations. Ukraine is observing Christmas and, of course, another year at war. How are people doing and how are they celebrating? It's quite a difficult, of course, Christmas for Ukrainian nation and uh, not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, happy events are happening around and it's understandable because the war is uh, entering its well, it's almost two complete years of war and it's entering another another year. So uh, not a lot of, uh, you know, happiness uh, you can see around, not a lot of celebration, but still people are trying to keep it, you know, uh, inside of the family to come together because nowadays uh, coming together as a family is also 
a big treasure for Ukrainians because a lot of people do not have this opportunity either because their uh, members of the family are at the battlefield or some people lost their members of the family, their loved ones, and some people are at the occupied territory, some people lost their home. So it's, you know, a very complicated issue. So it's a tough, it's a tough Christmas for sure. And uh, what's also important probably to mention that December 25th in Ukraine, um, well, it's it's Christmas Day and a lot of people have day off, but a lot of people still uh, working. So it's a kind of working day despite the holiday because of the war situation. And isn't this the first time the country's officially marked the holiday on December 25th rather than January 7th? Um, that's followed by some Orthodox countries in, in Russia. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, this is the first year uh, in 100 years that the Ukrainian church uh, has officially observed the holiday uh, on December 25th. Uh, so uh, Ukrainian church uh, implemented a, a calendar reform. Uh, it was very much expected by the Ukrainian society. Uh, because previously, if we look in the history, before 1918, Ukrainians were celebrating on December 25th, and then with communist reg communist regime, uh, this changed. So uh, Ukrainian society was really happy to be back to its roots. And yes, starting from this year on, Ukraine Ukrainian church uh, will be celebrating with the rest of the world. Uh, as you said, it's difficult to go into another year with this Russian invasion continuing, are people having a hard time feeling celebratory? Well, definitely uh, people, it's difficult for people to forget about the war and it's difficult for people to just, you know, take it easy because uh, if we look at the reports from the Air Force, for instance, uh, over the Christmas Eve and Christmas night, Russian forces continue the attacks and continue to attack Ukrainian territory uh, and uh, particularly over the night Ukrainian uh, forces air forces reported about uh, at least 31 Russian drone targeting Ukrainian territory 28 of those uh, were destroyed uh, also Ukrainian forces reported that they managed to destroy two Russian jets battle jets and two missiles so definitely in such conditions, it's, it's, you know, it's quite tough for Ukrainian society to completely uh, get into this Christmas mood. Anna Ternikova reporting for VOA from Kyiv. We thank you so much and have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Pope Francis on Monday blasted the weapons industry and its, quote, instruments of death that fuel wars as he made a Christmas Day appeal for peace in the world. Francis also urged the faithful to celebrate Christmas in simplicity and prayed for peace in the Middle East and Ukraine. More than 21 months into Russia's war on Ukraine, fierce fighting rages with no end in sight and neither side landing a telling blow on the battlefield. Ilyan Rubens with Reuters explains the current state of the Ukrainian counteroffensive and the prospects of Western military aid in 2024. 21 months into the biggest conflict in Europe since World War II, fierce fighting rages in Ukraine with no end in sight. Ukrainians hoped 2023 would be the year the country drove Russian forces out of swathes of occupied land. 
but the front line has barely budged. Reuters Ukraine chief correspondent Thomas Balmforth. The main takeaway of the year is probably that there haven't been a great deal of advances by either side during the war. The war in Ukraine has already killed or wounded hundreds of thousands of people, destroyed cities and villages, forced millions from their homes, and placed hundreds of thousands more under the Russian occupation. Kiev's much-anticipated counter-offensive has so far proved unable to punch through Russian defensive lines in the south and east. Russia controls about 17.5% of Ukrainian territory. Russian forces are back on the offensive in the east and they've been mounting pressure on the town of Avdivka. Many of the Ukrainian soldiers are exhausted and many of them will be fighting out at the front for, for almost two years. Ukraine's own commander-in-chief has already described the war as at a stalemate. President Zelensky has rejected that characterization, but it really does look very hard to imagine that either side could quickly forge a breakthrough and, and change things very quickly um, on the battlefield. Ukrainians know they must secure Western military aid to carry on, and that it will be harder with the war in Gaza distracting global attention. It's clear that there is increasing fatigue in the West on the matter of um, providing military and other uh, support to Ukraine. The White House has asked Congress to approve a roughly $60 billion assistance program for Ukraine that would come through next year. At the moment, it hasn't passed. Meanwhile in Europe, a four-year, 20 billion euro EU military aid proposal has also run into resistance from some bloc members. Some Ukrainians believe Russian leader Vladimir Putin will use any let-up in fighting to build further defences and regenerate the Russian army for a new assault. Russia is expected to hold an election in March that is widely expected to hand Vladimir Putin another six years in the Kremlin. Some observers think that he may feel his hands are more untied after that election to escalate his war effort. That could include, for instance, mobilizing more Russian men to fight in the army. He may also decide to invest even more effort into the defense industry in Russia. The strain of the war is likely to wait on everyday Ukrainians, for many of whom war fatigue has become a fact of life. I spoke to an internally displaced person from Kherson. His name is Oleksiy. Um, he fled his hometown of Kherson in April 2022 when it was still under occupation. He's now currently living in Kiev and he has no plan to go back home um, to Kherson because he fears that it's still getting pounded by artillery and um, he thinks that it's too dangerous. I think there's a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, fatigue um, and also a sense that it's going to be a long, long time until anything goes back to anything resembling normal. Currently, if everything stays as it is, it doesn't look like uh, Russian forces have any appetite for peace talks. The Ukrainians themselves, their official position is that they want all of their country back, every single inch of occupied territory to be returned to Ukraine and their position is that peace talks cannot take place until Russia has left their territory. So it really it really does seem that neither side um, is ready for peace talks and therefore it seems unlikely that you know the war is going to end anytime soon. That report from Reuters correspondent Ilyan Rubens.
You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Lori London. As Russia's war on Ukraine drags on, the humanitarian impacts are of increasing concern. I spoke with Lisa Schlein in Geneva, who says the World Health Organization is issuing a dire warning of millions of civilians at risk of increased illness during the long, brutally cold winter. This is the second winter of war, and the World Health Organization says that millions of civilians are at risk of increased illnesses, and the number of potential deaths is also likely to increase. Children and elderly are suffering particularly, as you can imagine, struggling as the winter arrives. And uh, one of the interesting things that a WHO representative in Ukraine, Yarno Habich, had to say was that even if the war ended today, the health needs of millions of people across Ukraine will increase. It was at a fairly low level in many respects before the war broke out, and it's only got worse since. What are some of the the particular issues that are causing the health system to potentially be under enormous stress? The fighting is the main concern that makes everything very bad. And because of the very cold weather, uh, infectious diseases and chronic illnesses people who have non-communicable diseases like heart disease and diabetes, uh, respiratory illnesses and so forth, will only get worse because the weather in Ukraine in the winter is very, very, very cold. It's below freezing and the shelter that many of these people have, you have to remember that there are millions of people who have been uprooted by the war. They are displaced persons within their own country and they don't have the kind of problem heating that is needed in order to protect them from the cold. And so uh, there is a great concern about the increase in disease. But I would say that perhaps the number one concern that the World Health Organization has is the extent of mental illness within the population. The WHO, in fact, has a report that says that more than 10 million people in Ukraine have mental health problems. And it's having a particularly devastating impact on Ukraine's seven and a half million children who are not only suffering from mental health problems, but also the lack of nutritious food and not having life-saving vaccinations. And there is a great concern that, uh, coming back to the children, that the mental health, the anxieties that they are going through right now is a situation that is going to last at least for another generation. And of course, the situation is dire due to Russia's continued assaults on the Ukraine power grid and the potential for people to have light and heat. This is a very real concern. We haven't begun to see the worst of it. It's only in the beginning, but uh, already there have been attacks against some of the power grid in the Ukraine. As you recall, last year it created a huge problem in terms of knocking out the electricity and the heating systems throughout the country. And as we are going into winter and it's going to be freezing cold weather, this is not good news at all. And so having gone through this situation once last year, uh, people in Ukraine are a little bit more prepared for the same thing happening this year. And so there are preparations which have been made and continue to be made in the healthcare centers around the country. They have been installing generators and special heaters and also opening up centers so that people suffering from the cold and suffering from other illnesses have a place to go in order to get warm 
platform so they can charge their phones so they can have a little bit of peace and serenity if such is possible. But there is a lot of concern about this. I'd like to just mention that the World Health Organization estimates that 3.7 million people are going to need humanitarian support next year. That's an enormous amount. They're not able to help all of them, but they and other agencies aim to target 3.8 million of the most vulnerable people, whether they actually will be able to accomplish what it is that they are setting out to do. They really are trying very, very hard. Lisa Schlein reporting for VOA from Geneva. His spokeswoman said Monday jailed Russian opposition politician Alexei Navalny has been tracked down to a penal colony north of the Arctic Circle after supporters lost touch with him for nearly three weeks. Emma Yehel with Reuters reports. Navalny's spokesperson on Monday said he'd been tracked to a prison dubbed the Polar Wolf, some 1,900 miles northeast of Moscow. Spokesperson Kira Yarmish told Reuters that Navalny's lawyer managed to see him on Monday, the first time since supporters raised the alarm about his fate on December 6th. The lawyer uh, saw him today, so he is uh, well, uh, especially given the fact that he was transferred for three weeks to this place. Navalny is among the highest profile political figures opposing Russian President Vladimir Putin. He has endured exile, assassination attempts, and now prison. Navalny earned admiration when he voluntarily returned to Russia in 2021 from Germany, where he had been treated for what Western laboratory tests showed was an attempt to poison him with a nerve agent. The Kremlin denied trying to kill him and said there was no evidence he was poisoned. His supporters cast him as a future leader of Russia, who will one day walk free from jail to lead his country, though it is unclear how much popular support he has inside Russia. For now, he is held in what is considered to be one of the toughest prisons in Russia. The Polar Wolf was founded in the 1960s as part of what was once the gulag system of forced Soviet labor camps. Temperatures are expected to drop to negative 18 degrees Fahrenheit over the next week. We know for sure that in this new colony, his conditions would be even worse than they were before. But the thing is that this colony is very distant. It is very difficult to access it. And uh, for lawyers, it will be very, very difficult uh, to go there and to see Alexei. Navalny's lawyer suggested that Russian authorities wanted to isolate him ahead of the March presidential election. Navalny says he's been imprisoned because he is viewed as a threat by the Russian political elite. As a prisoner, he is unable to run in the election. He denies all charges he has been convicted of and casts Russia's judicial system as deeply corrupt. Emma Yehel with Reuters reporting. The aggressive behavior of Russia and Belarus in Eastern Europe has pushed neighboring countries such as Estonia to bolster their border security significantly. From the Estonian border with Russia, VOA Eastern Europe Bureau Chief Miroslava Gungadze has this report. Close to the Russian border, the Tar Army Base in Varo, Estonia, serves as a strategic NATO training ground and a critical component of NATO's eastern flank defense. U.S. troops are here on rotation, joining their Estonian NATO counterparts. Part of the U.S. Army's famed 101st Airborne Division, the 1st Battalion, 187th Infantry Regiment, arrived here just a month ago. Its commander, Lieutenant Colonel Jared Wagner, Estonian Defense Forces, in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, about 20,000 American troops were mobilized throughout Central and Eastern Europe. Currently, there are approximately 100,000 American service members stationed in Europe in support of NATO allies. Uh, our battalion's mission is to be here and to partner with the Estonians. Uh, and our, our position here is a you know, strategic location 
up in up in the Baltics uh, allows us to project forces anywhere in the theater. One of the objectives for the U.S. troops is to conduct exercises under potential battle conditions. The security landscape in Europe has changed dramatically in the past two years. Presently, NATO identifies Russia as the most significant and direct threats to security, peace and stability. Estonians are dedicated to improving their forces' capabilities and fostering cooperation with NATO counterparts, says Colonel Mati Taikirpu of the Estonian Defense Forces. Estonia has been building uh, up its uh, defense forces already last uh, 30 years. We know our neighbor and we know that it's uh, not reliable. So we have been constantly building up and preparing our uh, reserve force. And we are constantly exercising uh, with allies according to our uh, wartime plans. He says that in their assessment, Russia is gathering up for the larger conflict. If no political changes occur in Russia, it's only a matter of time before NATO allies find themselves facing an adversary. Russian invasion to Ukraine showed clearly that our uh, East neighbor has ambitions and is a threat against its uh, neighbors. They want to restore their uh, Soviet influence in our uh, region and they are not afraid to use military power for that. The Kremlin has repeatedly hinted at the encroaching on Poland or Baltic countries, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania. Such rhetoric and Russia's aggressive actions have prompted NATO to enhance its readiness to protect and defend all allies. Morislava Gongadze, BOA News, Tara Army Base, Estonia. And ahead of the Christmas holiday, volunteers in Ukraine worked to put together holiday gift packages for the country's estimated 700 thousand men and women serving in the military, including the tens of thousands serving on the front line. Correspondent Lisa Bakaletz met with some of those volunteers in Kyiv. Lots of Christmas trees, Ukrainian national flags, and greetings for the armed forces of Ukraine. The children at the Kyiv Region Creativity Center are making gifts for the soldiers. Yaroslava Terepolovska student says she is drawing Ukrainian snowmen. They are helping the armed forces of Ukraine. Nine-year-old Anna Bruslunovska and her friends are making special candles for the soldiers in the trenches. Anna says that she and her friends wrap cardboard around a wig and fill it with bags. These candles burn longer than ordinary ones, she says, so the defenders are not in the dark and cold in the trenches. Students go to the center after school to make holiday gifts for Ukrainian military men and women. Both students and teachers have been volunteering since Russia began its full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Svetlana Zdravina, director of the Children's Creativity Center, says that the center has children who are internally displaced or whose parents are at the front line. So the kids understand everything and are glad to help. This time, she says, the teachers are also adding warm insoles and chemical heaters. Volunteers will pass it to the front line. Children's cards are also placed in holiday boxes along with some sweet treats, says volunteer Katerina Yakimovich, the head of the nonprofit Voyen that supports the Ukrainian military in a variety of ways. 
не потрібно. Якимович is gathering items for the boxes. She says she always adds coffee, honey and candies in the colors of Ukrainian flag. Sending one big package of candies to the front line is not an option. She says it is important for each soldier to get a personal present. She's already sent more than a thousand. Якимович says that one of the commanders told her that amid the horror it is such moral support. The initiative Arm Women Now sends free women's winter military uniforms to the front line. Irina Nikurak, the founder of the project Arm Women Now, says that unfortunately the Minister of Defense does not have a separate uniform for women. It is minus 7 degrees Celsius in Donbass right now, she says, so volunteers need to be sure military women are warm and comfortable. Volunteers are packing 100 and 50 uniform kits. Each kit includes warm winter pants, a warm jacket, thermal underwear, a warm sweater and balaclavs. The artists who need them always write wishes to each girl. Warm holiday greetings for just some of the tens of thousands of Ukrainian soldiers spending the winter away from their loved ones. Lesia Bakalets, WIOA News, Kyiv. And that'll do it for us today. On behalf of all of us here at VOA, we thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Lori London.